Awesome. So, so basically there's no real right way to do things, I think, but there's definitely some wrong ways. And I think, you know, just because I do it a certain way doesn't mean everyone needs to do it the same way. It's worked for me, but the idea and the concepts hopefully is what really kind of um, stands true and that people can kind of, kind of take it and, and pick certain aspects that they like and kind of develop their own framework around the general framework that we're talking about. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I run a race injury-free or get out of the constant injury cycle, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, where I will teach you how to enjoy lifelong injury-free running so you can continue getting in those mental clearing runs and even hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. My name is Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid half marathoner, coach, running physical therapist, and founder of Spark Physical Therapy Healthy Runner where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you have been told to stop running with an injury. Learn more about our signature coaching program at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow the show on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode. Thanks for joining me. Now on to the show. Before we get into this episode, if you are looking for a nutritional advantage to increase mental focus, strength, and endurance during those runs and decrease the recovery time between those hard effort sessions, you will want to check out Perform from the Amino Company. Later on in this episode, I will tell you more about Perform and how it can help you stay focused, get harder workouts in, and improve overall recovery on your journey of becoming a stronger, faster, lifelong injury-free runner, or you can check out the research for yourself at aminoco.com slash healthy runner. Welcome, and thank you guys for tuning in to episode 120 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. In today's episode, Dr. Scott Greenberg is going to share with us how we as runners can run safe and run fast by incorporating strength training into our weekly training. Scott has an extensive background in all areas of sports medicine. He has over 20 years of experience, including a lot of experience in the foot ankle rehab realm, running medicine, and foot orthotic fabrication. To go along with his doctorate in physical therapy and bachelor of science in exercise and sports science, he is a certified endurance running specialist through U.S. Track and Field Cross-Country Coaches Association. He holds certifications in track and field through the USA Track and Field and Strength and Conditioning through the NSCA. He is also the lead instructor for friends over at Run DNA, who, if you guys remember, we had the founder of Run DNA, Doug Adams, on the show in episode 117 to talk about running form and how we analyze that. So, Scott, thank you so much for accepting my invite to come on the show. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dwayne. Yeah. So runners, I want to know today, do you guys struggle to get in your strength work um, or you don't know what to do or how you should even schedule your strength days within your running weekly calendar? In this episode, we are going to chat about all things strength training to run safe and run fast so you can gain some insight, confidence, and clarity on what your strength training should look like. Scott is going to break down what does strength training actually mean, what kinds of strength, tra- strength training should runners do, 
should you even strength train as a runner? Um, and if so, why? Uh, what are the benefits of strength training for running? How to stay motivated to get in your strength work? Because I know that is a problem for many of you runners out there. And then how many times a week should you as a runner do strength training? Should we do it on the same days uh, that we go for our runs, right? These are common questions that we get. And then we're going to really talk about kind of formatting your strength training. Um, how do you schedule your week out? Um, so Scott, every single episode, we start with a little dynamic warm up, And this is where our listeners really get to know a little bit about you. Um, I already shared your formal bio, but can you tell us like where you currently call home and give us a little bit more backstory on how you've gotten to this point in your career right now? Oh, great. Thanks. Uh, so I currently reside in Gainesville, Florida. Um, so how I, how did I end up in Gainesville, Florida? So I uh, grew up in New York, uh, Long Island, New York specifically. Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I'm sorry to cut you off already, but <laughs> man, I grew up in Long Island. Where'd you grow up? I grew up on Beth Page, Long Island. What? Dude, my grandparents grew up in Beth Page. Yeah. I spent many, many Christmases, holidays in Beth Page. Han yeah. Avenue. I don't know if you know Han yeah. Avenue at all, but yeah, yeah, that's where, that's where my mom grew up and uh, my whole family grew up in Beth Page. So wow, yeah, went, small world. Sorry to I cut went, you off. <laughs> good. I went to Beth Page High School. Beth Page claimed to fame as the Beth Page Black Golf Course. That's our, that's our claim to fame. Yes. So I yep. uh, had the opportunity to play it once. It ate me for lunch and, and I uh, haven't played it since. So um, that's why we stick to running, right? No golf. But anyway, so went, went, went to high school there, grew up there, cold snow, I decided that, you know what, for college, let me take a, take my, take myself down South and, and ended up going to the university of Florida where I got my bachelor's in exercise science, like you said, um, then decided to go to PT school, traveled back up North to a place called slippery rock university, got my doctorate in, in physical therapy in 1999, realized that the cold weather was definitely not for me. You know, I had a taste of the warmth in Florida, went back up North. Then I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm heading back down South. So I uh, got my first job in Gainesville, Florida, have been here ever since. I work for the University of Florida Health System. Um, one of the best parts about my job right now is I get to treat the University of Florida athletes um, as well as manage um, our, our outpatient uh, clinics. We have 14 outpatient clinics, which I, which I manage. But during my first, I don't know, 14, 15 years of, of clinical experience, I pretty much dealt solely with, with runners and uh, foot and ankle pathology. And the way that kind of came about is I, w I walked into a clinic where we had wonderful specialists that worked a lot with shoulders and knees, and I wanted to figure out a way in which I can differentiate myself and set my own niche. And the foot and ankle was something that always intrigued me, some, something that nobody else really likes to do. And I said, you know what, what, what is so appealing about the foot and ankle is that it involves pretty much every sport that we play. And then when you start diving into the foot and ankle, then you start diving into more of the running mechanics type of, type of thing when it involves sports. And then foot orthoses was a nice progression into that. So that's kind of how my career kind of all just kind of snowballed. I went from, you know, really wanting to get involved with sports to try to differentiate myself amongst my peers and in, in my clinic and, and have my own kind of area of specialization to, you know, running mechanics and orthotic fabrication. And it really allowed me to, to dive in and get, get where I am with the University of Florida and the athletes there. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, that's, that's great. And you kind of did that, honestly, it sounds at least uh, before many of us uh, PTs, you know, wound up going down a little bit more specialization uh, route. And I think you were a little ahead of the curve, um, if you will, um, in really recognizing that we did need to go down that route um, from a profession standpoint. And, you know, kudos to you. And, you know, you've done some amazing work 
uh, down in Florida. And I know you're also, you know, teaching some con ed courses for PTs. And, you know, I had the pleasure, uh, for those that don't know, I had the pleasure of hearing Scott actually talk at our national conference. So I shared with you guys the story of how I met Doug. I met Scott the same day uh, at the uh, pre-conference course, all about running injuries. And, you know, he was another one that once I heard him speak, I said, I need to get Scott on the podcast. Um, and especially, I really loved um, how you kind of really simplified strength training. And this is such a big topic that I'm passionate about and kind of like was the, the biggest thing that really I, I, I made my foundation of like my spark blueprint of like five foundational principles to run like, you know, healthy and run fast. Strength training is included in like three out of the five principles. So it is, you know, a very, very big belief system. And, you know, we've talked about it. Um, in depth, really only like two episodes, actually, believe it or not, about the 120. We mentioned others, obviously, uh, but that's why I wanted to get you on as the expert, honestly, to, to give us another deep dive on like, you know, what is the importance of strength training and like why should runners do it? And then I really loved your framework in like how we structure it. And, you know, I definitely want you to share that with our listeners today. And then I'll share, you know, my personal experience, because I actually took a lot of what you talked about that day um, at conference and implemented it myself. So I could share a little personal experience since I made some changes in my strength training um, as well. So, yeah, I'm excited awesome. about this. Awesome. So, so basically, there's no real right way to do things, I think, but there's definitely some wrong ways. And I think, you know, just because I do it a certain way doesn't mean everyone needs to do it the same way. It's worked for me. But the idea and the concepts, hopefully, is what really kind of um, stands true and that people can kind of kind of take it and, and pick certain aspects that they like and kind of develop their own framework around the general framework that we're talking about. Very good point. Yeah, there's definitely no one size fits all. Um, and it does definitely depend upon, I guess I'll just add to that is, you know, the variables of you as a runner, right? So we all have our, our different experiences. We all have our different fitness levels. We all have, um, you know, different running goals, right? Whether or not you're training for a marathon, like today was the 126th running of the Boston Marathon, um, or, you know, you're, you're a track athlete, right? It's going to look completely different. Um, so yes, make sure you guys keep that in context about what we talk about today. Um, and it, it definitely will be somewhat individualized to you. We'll talk kind of big picture view and general, you know, most common principles and scenarios that, you know, Scott has encountered. Um, but yeah, definitely a good point to uh, bring up. So yeah, if, if you're good with it, man, let's get into strength training in order to run. So like, what does strength training like mean to you or like what kind of strength training should runners do? So I think there is a big difference between exercising and strength training. And I think that's the first thing we need to talk about is that, you know, all too often we in the clinic early on, very guilty, you know, I'm not saying I'm any different than anybody else, but you know, we'd strap a two pound ankle weight on somebody and tell them to lift their leg 30 times. And we would call that strengthening and that's not strengthening. Um, in order to strengthen, you obviously have to put the tissue through a significant amount of load uh, to gain strength. You're talking anywhere from, you know, 60, 70 percent of the one rep max to really get that that real benefit of strength. Um, so so I think that's one of the things that the drive home messages that I want to want to bring out is that, you know, all too often we don't tax our our bodies, our patients, um, our runners um, enough with regards to strength and conditioning. 
Um, so that's the first thing. That's that's what I really want to to really emphasize is that don't be afraid to load. Okay, so when I think of strength training for the runner, I think about what are the key aspects of a running a runner's body and a runner's physique that really need to be um, at a higher capacity for dealing with the demands that running places on it. And, and that's when I talk about running injuries and I talk about building a better runner. I talk about, you know, there are certain things we can control and certain things we can't control. One of the things we definitely have control over is our, our ability to build capacity. How do we build capacity? We strengthen tissue. Um, does that mean we're not going to get injured ever? Of course not. We can never totally rule out injuries or, or decrease the, the injury risk to zero. But I firmly believe that if we can get our tissues stronger and more capable of dealing with load, our injury potential will decrease. And what our tissue deals with or can handle on one day is going to differ from what it can handle on another day. And there's a lot of factors that kind of go into that, which really makes some of the research um, uh, kind of difficult to sometimes dissect and weed through because you know there are so many variables. Um, injuries, running injuries specifically, are so multifactorial, whether it be due to the amount of strength they have, the amount of alignment they have, how they particularly run, how much rest they have, what's their nutrition like, you know, all those different things, how their body handles stress, they all can lead to decreasing our body's ability to cope. But if we can get our tissue stronger via strengthening, we are increasing our likelihood of making it through those particular episodes. Nice. So really strengthening is not only lifting lighter weights from what I heard um, from you. And I think I'll even go out there and say, because I hear this term a lot, is a lot of runners say, well, I heard I should be doing cross training. And a lot of runners have the approach of, you know, I'm going to do some cross training and that's going to count as my strength training. And that isn't necessarily the case, right? From what you just said, unless they are actually adding load to the tissue, meaning lifting weight, right? And, or, you know, putting enough stress through, there are a lot of body weight exercises, depending upon the specific exercise you're doing, that might be enough load to put through the tissues and help build some muscle. Um, so thank you for clarifying that. And, you know, do you feel, no, go ahead. I was gonna say it's all relative too, in terms of the amount of load you have to put through, you know, so what a, 100 pound female can handle may be very different than what a 200 pound male can handle. And, and it's all, like I said, it's relative. So a body weight exercise on that 100 pound female may be more than adequate that maybe on this 200 pound male, it might not be. So you might have to play with the body weight and how much, how much resistance you add to a given exercise. It's also important to think about, you know, as I, as I think about this a little bit more, um, you know, what is the focus of that particular exercise and what is the focus of your particular program. So the way I build a program, and we'll get more into this later on is that, you know, if you truly want to gain and get stronger, stronger true strength, you want to work in the rep range of about three to six, three to five, three to six, meaning that at that fifth or sixth repetition, you can't really do much more. Okay. It doesn't mean that you can handle the weight 15 times, but you stop at five and call that strengthening. That's not what it is. It's dealing with a load that in which you can handle somewhere between three to five or six reps. As you get beyond that five to six rep range, and then you start working into the hypertrophy ranges. And there's nothing wrong with hypertrophy. A, a bigger muscle will more likely be stronger as well, but you're not gonna be targeting the same type of tissue capacity as you are in a three to five rep range. And then we start talking more endurance, and then you're above like the 12 to 15 to 20 range, where again, you're not really 
truly strengthening at that limits. You're working on more muscle endurance. So they're all, there's a time and a place for all of it. And I like to bring some components of all of that into my strength, quote unquote, program, because I think certain, certain movements are really better designed for that three to five rep range, whereas others are better designed for that six to 12 hypertrophy range. Okay. Excellent. So really got in deep there. So I just want to make sure those that are listening didn't miss that. So Scott really shared with you that different goals of strength are going to depend upon how many reps we do, right? So how many repetitions are you going to do over a particular exercise? If we're looking to truly build strength in your muscles, then we want to keep those repetitions low. Scott is saying three to five repetitions. If we're looking for hypertrophy, so Scott, we didn't share this in, in your bio before, but I know you've been a runner for a while, but I, I have seen some of your social media and I have seen that you, you did recently do like, right. A bodybuilding competition. Is that correct? Jeez, goodness gracious. Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. It was one of those things. It was a bucket list thing I want to do before I turned 50. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to it. So I figured I better do it now before my body breaks down before then. So yes, I did. I had no, I had no reason to think I would win or, or place or do, I just wanted to do it and say that I did it. And I'm actually going to do another one. I have, I got, I caught the bug. So I'm going to do another one, but um, it's just fun. It's, it's setting a goal and uh, putting, putting a, putting a, a date on the calendar that you can kind of move towards. And, and uh, so, yes, I did. I did. Thanks That's phenomenal sharing. though. <laughs> phenomenal. Honestly, man, your pictures were just, I was like, wow, man, this guy is ripped. Right. So <laughs> if you guys think about hypertrophy, that's what we're talking about. Like if someone like Scott is going to do like a bodybuilding competition, right. They want like big muscles. They want them to be ripped. And that's where you're looking for hypertrophy of muscles. Now you, as a runner, you may want certain muscles to get hypertrophied, but you might not want other muscles to get hypertrophied. Right. Um, so that that's where Scott's talking about probably the most classic rep range that most people do, you know, if they're thinking sets of 10 repetitions, right? So if you're in between six and 12 repetitions, then we're saying the goal of that is to actually get bigger muscles. And then Scott's saying endurance is another animal where we're above that. So if you're doing 15 or 20 repetitions of your exercise, then you're really truly working endurance and you're not actually strengthening muscles per se. So I just want to, such an important point, and that might've just flew over some people's heads there. So I just wanted to clarify. So thank you um, for doing that. And, you know, I guess before we go any further, Scott, because we are getting into some of the specifics, but would you say that, you know, should runner strength train um, or should all runner strength train? I personally believe that every runner should strength train 100%. Um, I think like we talked a little bit about before, it's going to increase your tissue capacity. It's going to help with performance. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, as we get older, our body's able to tolerate a whole lot less you know, our, our muscle strength decreases, um, our, 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 our tissues, not nearly as resilient as it was when we were younger. And what strengthening does is it actually puts enough load through the tissue to kind of help things keep firing and, and be protective. I think as we get older. So I think if you read any article about the importance of strength training, as we age, um, it's all going to be saying about the same thing. It's positive. You might need to alter it as you get older, based on your body's limitations in terms of, you know, uh, maybe working in the three to five rep range as you approach older ages may not be the safest on your joints. Um, but it's all relative. Um, I think you do need to, to put a load through your tissues as you get older, um, and continue on. 
I couldn't agree more. And just in case those that are listening, this is like your first episode you've ever heard of the podcast. Um, yeah, what Scott's saying is, you know, it's not the hamstring stretching that is going to help prevent your injuries and is going to make you a better runner. What Scott's sharing is really honestly the last like pretty much 15 to 20 years of like research that has, you know, time and time again have shown strength training is going to be the most beneficial for you as a runner from a performance standpoint. And it's got to, you know, injury prevention standpoint, and that's how we rehab, you know, these injuries as well. Um, so, you know, we're not going to prevent every injury as Scott said, but you know, the benefits are pretty clear. And I couldn't agree more with you that I feel strongly that all runners should do some elements of strength training. Um, you know, so what do you say to runners who give you objections? Because many runners, and there's probably many listening right now, um, love running. They just don't like strength training where they never did it. They hated gyms. They're not motivated to do it. Um, they don't want to be sore the next day. You know, what do you say to them? Um, if they love running, I tell them that if they want to continue to run safely as they get older, they're going to need to incorporate some form of strength training. Now I'll take it. If they take one day a week and put one day a week into some form of strength training, I'll take it. Do I think it's ideal? No. Uh, you know, I personally believe at least two days a week of strength training is, is what should be required, but I'll take one. I'll take it. Um, running alone will not get you stronger. Your body adapts to that stress. And after a while, the tissue doesn't, doesn't respond. That's why when you do load tissue with strengthening, strengthening is about adding progressive load, meaning the, the weight you're putting on or the resistance you're putting on is gradually increased as your body is to tolerate it. You know? So if something, uh, your body acclimates in, in essence. So as your body tolerates a given load or a given stress, uh, it just doesn't have to work as hard to deal with it. So in order to continue to challenge the body, you have to continue to challenge via increasing the load or increasing the rep range that you're working with a given load. You have to make the body work a little bit. So uh, to answer your question, I do believe that every runner should strength train. What do I say to a runner that uh, often it's great in our world in the sense that if a runner comes to us in the clinic, chances are they're injured. So if I tell them something and they fight me, I say, well, your way isn't obviously working. So you need to kind of start listening a little bit to somebody else that maybe can keep you on the road running. If you think about anybody that wants to be competitive with running, every good collegiate or professional track organization is involved with some form of strengthening for their runners. Um, distance running, you know, back in the day, distance running, um, uh, it wasn't as it wasn't as pushed as it is today in terms of the importance of strength training. Um, but I think as time has gone on, we're starting to learn that there is significant benefit to being a stronger runner. Yeah, indeed. I couldn't agree more. Um, and yeah, I, I just like tell my runner sometimes is, you know, yeah, you might not like it in the beginning or, you know, if your muscles get sore, that's all your body adapting. Right. And it will get better as we, um, you know, progress. And then sometimes too, you know, runners, we have a tendency to do too much too soon, right? Just like with our running people do have a strength training and they go to lift like, you know, super heavy and they haven't lifted at all. Yeah. You're going to be sore if you do that. Um, and some people just hate that feeling of, you know, having sore muscles, delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS as we call it. Um, so sometimes you, you need to ramp them up a little bit slower, um, so they, they adapt and, and can tolerate that kind of post-exercise feeling, um, a bit more and then, you know, gradually kind of ramp them up. But yeah, well, no, I, I, I agree. 
100%. And, and actually, some people actually really like the soreness to a, to a degree, too, because they feel like they did something. Um, if you go out for a hard run or you're doing hills or something, you're going to get sore anyway. So it's just a matter of just realizing that when you start something new, no matter what it is, the body has to acclimate. And sometimes you do have the, the tendency to do a little bit too much, too much, too fast, too soon, and, and it bites you in the butt. Um, and, and in those cases, you just got to back off a little bit. So I think getting runners uh, involved in some form of strengthening from an injured standpoint is great because you can start them real light and really build up their tolerance uh, as they're moving. But a healthy runner, it's never too late to start strength training. Just again, if you're, if you're scared about it, start really light and then just continuing to build as your body's able to tolerate it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so you kind of talked a little bit about, um, you know, maybe starting out one time a week, you know, how many times a week should a runner do strength training? Again, I don't, I don't know if I've seen any research on this to really de de definitively say what is the ideal. Um, I tend to break mine down, and this is something that you touched on before about my framework. Um, this is something that I just kind of came up with because I, it, it checks a lot of the boxes for me. Um, I basically like a, 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 two, a two split, we'll call it day, in which you have a, um, basically a, a squat day and then a deadlift day. Why the squat? Why the deadlift? Because they're compound movements. You can move a lot of weight with them. You can actually, quote unquote, truly strength train with those type of movements. Um, they're Like I said, they're multi-joint, um, very, very functional, functional type movements, you know, squatting and deadlifting, hip hinging, squatting, something we do all the time. Um, they can, they both involve a, a concentric and an, and an eccentric phase of that mo motion. So um, on my squat days, I tend to make those days more of a, uh, a quad focused day. Um, and on my uh, deadlift day, I, tr I tend to make those more of a hamstring dominant type of day. On those days, my squat and my deadlift are my, my exercises where I try to move the most amount of weight um, through a rep range of about three to five. And then um, after that quote unquote strength movement is done, I tend to then um, for more of the isolation work and the unilateral work, I tend to move more into the rep range of that, like that eight to 12 rep range, more of the hypertrophy range. So for example, on a squat day, I'll do uh, a squat, whether it be a high back squat, low back squat, front squat, some, some form of a squat, um, three sets of five, four sets of five, or even five sets of five, depending on how advanced the lifter is. Um, then I'll work into an open chain leg extension, quad dominant type of movement. I do think that open chain leg extension is a fantastic way to strengthen the quads. It's a fantastic way to strengthen just because people have gotten away or, or I think they're starting to come back. The pendulum's starting to switch back now where even though it's a non-weight bearing exercise, people are not necessarily classifying, classifying it as a non-traditional functional exercise. You know, strength is strength. And function is function. And in order to be good at having function, you have to be strong. And the best way to, to really, in my opinion, to get the quad stronger is to isolate it. And, and a leg extension is a great way to do that. So I'll do a leg extension. I'll do a single leg squat. Why a single leg squat? Because I think with a single leg squat, you also can focus on that, that squat mechanics, that, that eccentric, as well as concentric phase that we go into with running. Um, there's a balance component to that. When you're doing a balance component, you're activating your foot muscles, you're activating your glutes. So there's a little bit of carryover. I like to do these exercises barefoot if I really want to uh, accentuate the balance component of it. Um, another exercise. Hey, hold on, hold on, Scott. Yeah, you just shared so much gold there. So I just yeah. want to just try to reiterate for the listeners, because um, there will be many that this might be new information for. So really, Scott's talking about formatting 
right? Our strengthening schedule. He's saying this is going to be like one day of your weekly routine. He's kind of calling this a squat day or like what we call anterior chain day. So essentially the muscles in the front of your thigh, right? Front of your hip, front of your thigh. We're kind of focusing here. He's using the squat as his heavier traditional what we mentioned before, strength exercise, lower rep range. So really load up the weights. So we're actually building strength. And then he's going to a nice isolation exercise. So how can we isolate the quads the best? And he's talking about the knee extension machine that many of you are probably familiar with. Um, I find in my running population, like middle-aged runners, most are familiar with that, but they're not doing the single leg squat that you mentioned. And so Scott's talking about rationale. Now he's got a nice isolation exercise and now he, he needs to go to more of one where he's standing on one leg, like we are doing when we run, right? So this is the single leg kind of exercise. That's going to give more quad focus and quad strengthening, but it's functional. And then the other thing I just, I, I needed to stop you there because like, Hey, we mentioned in your bio, like you've done custom foot orthotics, like a large majority of your career. And you are stating that, Hey, a lot of these exercises, if you're in, you know, weight bearing that you do like to do barefoot and what is the, the benefits of that or what's your rationale for that? I, th I think barefoot, you, you, you definitely uh, turn on a lot of the intrinsic muscles of the foot. I think you can get them activated. Um, I think it's a great way to warm up actually too, prior to any run. I think uh, spending some time barefoot doing some, maybe some uh, a light jogging on a grassy field prior to going for your regular run to help wake up some of those foot muscles. Cause when we stick those big bulky shoes on, oftentimes our feet get very dormant, they get very lazy and they don't work the way that they necessarily should. So I, I think anytime we can strengthen um, and get our bodies into in touch with the ground so that we have to actually stabilize, use our first ray to dig into the ground, stabilize, engage the arch. Um, I think we're going to get a lot of benefit out of that too. So um, the other thing that we, we need to think about in this, we'll call it the, we're calling it the anterior, uh, the anterior day, but it's not necessarily always the, always the anterior day, because I like to break up the gastroc and the soleus, which are two muscles of your calf. I like to do one gastroc exercise one day. And on the next day, I'll do the, the other one or the soleus. The gastroc is, is your calf muscle that is strengthened when your knee is extended or straight. Your soleus is the other calf muscle. It's a little deeper that really uh, gets, gets targeted when you flex your knee or when your knee is bent because it doesn't cross the knee joint. So those are two that I like to separate. Just like I separate the quad and the hamstring, I separate the gastroc and the soleus just because I don't necessarily want to work those both on the same day, kind of spread it out a little bit. Um, and then I'd be remiss if I, if I talked about the upper body because the upper body, yes, it's not as important, say, as uh, some muscle groups are with running, but it is important. And postural stabilization is important. Um, and, you know, uh, I like to do a, a pushing motion on the quad day. So like some type of overhead press or a chest press, shoulder press. And on the hamstring day, I will do more of a pulling motion to engage my lats or my rhomboids. So that's kind of how I break, break those up a little bit. And then people always talk about what about the core? Well, guess what, guys, when you're squatting, you better be engaging your core. When you're doing a deadlift, you better be engaging your core. Um, so those are some of the things that I like to think about um, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm designing a program. And there's a lot of different ways. There's not, these aren't the only exercises you can do. Um, for
for example, we talked about the single leg squat. You can also do a heel tap or a step up. You can do a, I do, I call it a resisted running man where I take a, I take a monster band and I stick it over my head and over one shoulder and step on it on the other side. And I go through this, this kind of running motion where I'm loading and exploding out of that, that flexed knee position and hip flexed hip and knee position with the resistance of the band. Again, working balance, working on a little bit of, of, of eccentric and concentric eccentric is the, is the lengthening of the muscle concentric is the shortening of the muscle muscle as you, as you engage it. So those are all different components that I like to, to target. I just have a, a, a framework that I like to go with. Um, and it just serves me well when I'm designing my plan. Yeah. And what I really like about it is number one, I like how you separate out gastroc and soleus. And so we're strengthening the calf muscles with knee straight position versus a knee bent. And that's strategic throughout the week, just because of how important that strength is of those calf muscles, the calf complex of like the most, you know, common running related injuries we get, whether it's Achilles tendon pain, plantar fasciitis, posterior tib tendinopathy. Um, there's just so many, you know, these common running related injuries that if the calf muscles were a little bit stronger or even, you know, let's even go hamstrings, right? Hamstring issues. If they're compensating for weakness down below, um, and I feel like the calf muscles glutes aren't firing. Oftentimes the hamstrings take the brunt there as well. So yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. And I know even I was guilty of this myself. I never liked strengthening my calf muscles and I got like chicken legs, man, for calf muscles. And I just like gave up on them for like years. You know, it was like when I first started running, I didn't do any isolated calf stuff. It was kind of like, Hey, I'll do my squats. I'll do, you know, my step-ups and lunges and all of these exercises. But the calves always, I feel like, get forgotten about. And I've, I personally, after going through a little bit of Achilles tendon scare um, last summer, we actually, I was playing volleyball with my girls on the beach. Ball went, I went to sprint, and this was like right after a long run. Um, and I felt like a little pop in my Achilles. I was like, oh boy. And I had like pain for a couple of days and there was some swelling. And then it, you know, persisted for like a couple of weeks. And I was like, man, if this like becomes Achilles tendon problems, I'm in deep trouble. So I really kind of, you know, got a little bit of, Hey man, you're in your forties now. Like, you know, we got to strength train those calf muscles and Achilles tendon on like, you know, a consistent basis. And since I have been doing that and especially following Really what you talked about is making sure we do, you know, one exercise with the knee straight and one with the knee bent, like knock on wood, like, you know, I haven't, my Achilles has actually felt great, even with adding in like speed work now where I'm really like peaking in my half marathon training season. Um, this stuff works, man. If you, if you really isolate these muscles out and, and get that strengthening effect, um, it's very, very powerful. So I, I really like how you strategically, I guess, isolate out those calf muscles and give them their, their due, because I think it is so important for prevention for runners, especially as we approach our forties, fifties, our tendons are not as strong and pliable as they once were. Um, unfortunately, now, you know how passionate I am about strength training in order to run, and that runners who don't do any strength work are more likely to suffer some of those stubborn running injuries, whether it's runner's knee, plantar fasciitis, IT band syndrome, or tendonitis. And one of the keys to becoming a healthy runner is dedicating time to strength training. However, I get it. It's hard to dedicate the time, get motivated, and have the energy to get in the strength work 
whether you are going to the gym or you're working out in your basement or living room in the early mornings like I do before work or if you're doing it after work in the evening. I have been on the lookout for a truly healthy pre-workout option to help with energy and focus during my workouts and post-run that will also provide a nutritional boost so I can maximize my recovery and performance when strength training. That is why I am super pumped, literally, that I found Perform from the Amino Company. Perform is an essential amino acid-based formulation that I simply add to water in my shaker bottle and have 30 minutes before my run or gym workout. It tastes great and is easy on my stomach. Perform helps improve mental focus, peak strength, endurance, reduces fatigue, and increases muscle protein synthesis so you can recover faster from your runs or your strength training. I feel great since I've switched my pre-workout to Perform, but what I feel most happy about is that I know exactly what I am putting in my body and that it is backed by real research and science. I actually brought on one of the leaders in amino acid research, Dr. Robert Wolf, on the show during episode 92 of the podcast. If you want a deeper dive on the effects and the literature out there on amino acids, hear my chat with Dr. Wolf, as I am sure you will be as impressed as I was learning more about essential amino acids and their effects on us as runners. There is actually an abundance of research out there documenting the efficacy of essential amino acids with over hundreds of studies demonstrating improvements in focus, performance, and recovery from those long runs and hard effort session workouts. If you're looking for a nutritional performance advantage, we've got a special offer for you where you can save 30% and get a free gift using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to aminoco.com slash healthy runner. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com slash healthy runner. And use the code healthy runner at checkout to save 30%. Yeah. So that was kind of the first day of, you know, more quad focus. So let's get into kind of this posterior chain day where, where we're focusing on more hamstrings and glute strength. And what does that look like? So I like to do, like I said, uh, my strength movement uh, of that day is the, is the deadlift. Um, so I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the deadlift there. Um, and then I break it off into a single leg deadlift or a good morning, something along those lines. Um, I'm a big fan of the, of the, of the hip thrusts, you know, the weighted bar across your, across your abdomen and you're doing the hip thrust. Uh, uh, I think those are great. Some, they have some machines out there that are amazing at, at kind of doing this type of thing. Um, you know, the, the traditional bar across the, the, the waist or the kettlebell sitting on your abdomen works okay too, but some of those machines are really great and really loaded up pretty good. Um, so I'll do that as well. Um, what else? Uh, I like to do on, on these days, I sometimes will add in more of a, a hip abductor type of type of load as well, whether it be uh, lateral band walking, like a monster band walking to, to activate the gluteus medius a little bit. Um, and then we talked a little bit already about doing, uh, either the gastroc or the soleus on, on whichever day you're not doing the other one. Um, so th that's pretty much, that's pretty much where I go with, with those. You can do a single leg deadlift. Uh, you can do it with a dumbbell. You can do it with cables, depending on what you're trying to focus. So for example, if I really want to target my glutes with a single leg deadlift, I will use a cable column. The reason I will use a cable column is because not so much the weight as a resistive 
type of principle, but the, but the cable column with some weight on it can actually offer balance. So when you're doing a single leg deadlift, holding a cable column or using the cable column to kind of pull up with your, with your opposite arm as you're coming up, it also offers some stability, which allows you to get more repetitions in a row without having to reset your balance. Whereas sometimes I find people that do it with like a kettlebell, um, oftentimes are always putting their other leg on the ground. So they're not getting that, that balance component, which really, I find you can really hit the glutes really, really hard. If you just repeat, if you can do 20 of those reps in a row, your glutes are screaming at the end. Whereas sometimes if you're just doing, you know, one, then having to put your foot down two having to put your foot down, um, it's, it's not usually as, as good at, at targeting that glute, but it is a little bit better, in my opinion, at really forcing the foot to do as much as it can to give that balance and stability. So depending on what I'm trying to focus on in a given day, you can kind of tweak it a little bit. If you want to make it a little bit easier on the foot, put your shoes on, make it easier on your foot. If you want to make it a little bit harder on your foot, do a single leg deadlift on a unbalanced or unstable surface, like an AirX pad or something along those lines. So those are all different ways in which you can challenge or change an exercise up. Um, but the general concept is again, squat day, deadlift day, hamstring day, quad day, um, do it in single leg stance, make sure you activate your foot muscles, make sure you get your calf involved. And, um, and like I said, involve the upper extremity to a certain degree as well. I love it. And, you know, a couple of things I'll add to that kind of posterior chain day. Um, even, you know, I guess for myself, I really got away from doing deadlifts for a number of years because honestly, I had more sitting related low back pain, right? And I was very like flexion sensitive. Um, so I always did get a little fearful, even with good technique and proper hip hinge. I still really was never able to master the deadlift because I got like long legs, man. It's like, I got some long legs. I had like a history of hip scope. So I got some FAI on my left side. So my hip flexion isn't that good to begin with. Um, and, you know, I really got kind of, honestly, I, I went away from them and, you know, your, your talk inspired me to give them another shot. So I would, you know, add in here, if you've never done deadlifts before, and if it's totally new for you, form is key. And we're talking about eventually loading up the weights. So you're, you're doing lower reps and it's hard for you, but like I've done this personally myself, literally it's been, what was CSM the big, the beginning of February. Yeah. Right. Like that first week. So it's been like a good two months, essentially. I've been working at this and, you know, I literally started with like the bar the first day I was like, all right, the bar, I'm going to watch my form, make sure I'm getting good technique. And it was like, I felt like, you know, such a loser in the gym. I'm like putting tens on, you know, like squat rack. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to make sure my form is good. I'm going to engage my core and make sure everything's kind of perfect. And, you know, I slowly progressed up and it wasn't hard to get five reps, like you mentioned, but I eventually hit that point where it was like, okay, now I'm getting some stimulus. And like, I'm happy to report actually this morning uh, was my kind of posterior chain day. So now I got like fifties on each side with the bar. So I'm starting to push some weight now. And it, it, it is nice, honestly, to like lift heavier for me, that's heavy, right? Again, and be able to get five reps out um, max, you know, four to five reps but I also do increase the number of sets versus like the traditional three sets. So like you said, I, I really like how you mentioned that because when you're thinking about like total volume of the exercise and how much stimulus you're giving, and I think we forget about that sometimes. So I thought that was such a great 
point when you mentioned that. And, you know, honestly, that's felt great to actually lift heavier again and like get stronger over these number of weeks. And I, I did the same thing with my squat as well. Um, it, it has taken me a while, but started with form and you can progressively build up. And this is really what I've started doing now with, so in our like beginner kind of strength program that we have. Um, and when we start working with our clients, especially if they've never done strength before, we start with a lot of the basics and like muscle activation exercises for like your run specific muscles, some single leg work in a progressive fashion, right? But we're not loading up um, necessarily. Yeah. Now for our next level, right? So like when our coaching clients continue with us in this like longevity program and they're ready for the next step, then that's when I've really added in that with them now. And if they have access to a gym or if they have a nice home gym and they could start to add load and weight, um, it's really been beneficial, Scott. It really has. So if you guys are listening out there and you're looking for that like next level and you're starting to like plateau off, um, this stuff that Scott is sharing is, is gold, honestly. That activation work is, is critical. And I do that too. I just don't consider that my strengthening part. It's activation work. It's getting the muscles primed. It's turning things on. It's getting things ready to fire. That's where you can go with your, your leg lifts, your bridges, your, 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 your glute squeezes, um, those type of uh, activities that just kind of prime the system so that when you do step over the bar for that or under the bar for that squat or deadlift, um, your muscles are, are turned on. And don't forget, you should warm up a little bit too. You know, we'd be remiss to say just throw, you know, 350 on the bar and squat away. No, you know, work up to it. Make it, make sure that you're feeling good. You're loosened up. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, you just put the bar on your back and squat just the 45 pound bar. That's a great warm up exercise. Um, the other thing to think about too, that you mentioned, which is a great point is, um, you know, people are built differently. There are certain body types that aren't designed to squat or deadlift or what have you. So having, having different ways in which you can do it are really, really helpful. I'm a big fan of the belt squat. I don't know if you, if, if some of your listeners here know what the belt squat is, it's a, it's a way to squat in which you're not necessarily loading the spine. There's a lot of different machines out there. The rogue rhino is one of them that's out there. Um, there's, there's a bunch of them um, out there that, that basically just, it just hooks up to your waist and you're, you're basically squatting. The, the line of pull should be directly underneath you, but it doesn't always work that way. But regardless, it's, a, it's basically a squat in which you're not loading your spine. And that's a great way to kind of, if, you have, if you're concerned about back issues, et cetera, find yourself a belt squat machine. They can work really well, really well too. Um, and then with deadlift, you know, different bars, whether you use maybe a trap bar in which maybe you don't have to reach as far to the ground or your, your grip could be a little bit better. Um, or maybe do like a more of a rack pull where you're not having to reach all the way down. You just work in the top range of that motion. So there's a lot. And, and once that gets comfortable, then you can start lowering yourself down. Um, so there's a lot of different ways in which you can kind of get those movements in. Nobody's going to get on you that first day and grade you and say, oh, that wasn't a full squat. You know, that doesn't count. No, it doesn't work that way. But just know that those hip hinge movements are important. Those squat type movements are important. And you need to load yourself when you're doing them. All great points. I love the modifications. That's where, again, if you're new to this, guys, you know, find a good, you know, strength PT, a strength coach, a personal trainer who could teach you the right form and technique um, for these exercises, especially if you're going to be adding a load to it, because that's where we see, unfortunately, 
um, you know, runners get injured, maybe lifting too heavy, and then they get a bad rap where they get a bad impression of strength training and saying like, oh, well, I'm a runner, like I shouldn't be strength training. Look, it hurt me. It, it got me injured. When in fact, it might have been, you know, that your form, your technique wasn't good. Uh, so yeah, great, great mentions on all those like things we can vary. The other thing I'll add in there for that posterior chain day, I love my Nordic curls for the eccentric strength work for the hamstrings. I think it's like critical, 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 especially in preventing, you know. The GHD is a wonderful machine too. Yeah, the yep. GHD. Yeah. So for preventing that like proximal hamstring tendinopathy, that's so common in distance runners in our forties and fifties. Um, very big, you know, fan of that. The other one that I like for like a single leg posterior chain is doing like more of a reverse lunge, mm -hmm. you know, just going backwards, it's going to help get more glute activation for those listening versus like quad activation. Your quads is still going to work, but it's going to just transfer the load a little bit more to those glutes. Um, or I like doing like an explosive lunge where you're kind of like doing a reverse lunge and then you go up into like triple extension where you get mm -hmm. some calf work and kind of getting the glutes going. Um, so yeah, this day is fun for me. I think especially that poster chain day, I feel like is if anything, probably more important um, than the the front and the anterior chain day for like most of our like running related injuries. You're a butt guy, Dwayne. That's what you're saying. <laughs> always, always been. <laughs> yes, indeed. Who isn't? Come on. Um, so the other thing that um, I like how you mentioned that activation work and, you know, I, I just actually uploaded um, last week for those that need some like good activation exercise that you can do with literally a minivan that's going to hit like the abductors Scott was talking about the external rotators that I think is often missed muscle group um, that runners aren't, you know, utilizing um, on my YouTube channel. So spark your training YouTube channel, you guys could check out that it's like a how to essentially I talk you through how to do five simple exercises you can do with the mini band. Um, and those work out great. Like for my clients, I'm do just one set of those before their strength training, or sometimes before they go out for a run. Um, and then the other thing I've been playing around with for those that are maybe in more base training phase of running, and they're not like getting ready for a race, and they're doing three days of strength, I've been doing like, well, you talked about like the one day, the front muscles, second day, the back muscles. And the third day is kind of their plyometric day and, or the other kind of muscles that we tend to forget about, like some of that activation stuff. And I'll kind of prioritize those plyometrics or jump training. Can you talk about, you know, where that falls in and like, why should runners do some jump training in their programming? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, running is nothing more than a series of falls from one leg to the other. We have to load and explode. And I can't tell you how many runners I come across that 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 can't jump, don't know how to land, don't know how to explode if their foot. Um, we talk about, you know, bone health and how important um, plyometrics or, or loading in, a, in an explosive manner is um, with regards to creating a, a healthier, stronger bone. Um, running alone is not strong enough or it isn't um, uh effective enough in, in creating that stronger bone. But for, for me, the, the biggest impact of, of plyometrics is, is just the ability to uh, allow our runners to learn how to load and get off the, get off that, that foot effectively. So it's like a spring. And I have found just anecdotally that a lot of my runners that come in with stress fractures are the ones that don't know how to, uh, or can't um, load and explode in the proper manner. They're very heavy on the ground. They don't, they, they're not light on their feet. 
Um, you know, ever watch a boxer, you know, jump rope, you can see how light on their feet they are. It's like they're, they're floating almost, you know, and just imagine what they look like running, you know, they're probably very similar to that. Whereas you see people that are very, very heavy on the ground and their ability to absorb and use their tendons as springs is lacking some. And that's where jump training and plyometric training really comes in. It's also good at, at you know, if you're looking at being uh, from a performance standpoint, that explosiveness is really important. If you're a, you know, a track athlete, you really want to, you know, uh, improve your, your performance, you know, being able to explode, whether it be, you know, with jumping box jumping or with, you know, any type of Olympic lifting, those type of things that, that explosiveness is really uh, an important point. But, but for me, jump rope is, is, a, is a must. I, I am a huge fan of jump rope for all of my runners. Uh, Doug Adams, who you talked about before, makes fun of me. Um, he calls me sometimes the jump roping therapist because I do think it's it's so important. Um, uh, it, it teaches coordination. It teaches balance. It teaches how to be light on your feet. I'll do running drills with the jump rope um, because, you know, if you can run and jump rope at the same time, like move forward with the jump rope, um, it keeps your stride nice and tight, keeps your, your posture nice and upright. Um, it, there's a lot of benefits to jumping rope. Um, and, uh, and I think every runner should be able to do it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's what I feel like is missing a lot in runners programming is plyometric or jump training. So thank you for sharing, you know, the importance that you see, um, in the runners that you help and, you know, where you see it fits into the puzzle. You know, the other things I would add to just to kind of, um, not put this out of context for those that are peaking in their training for half marathon and especially marathon distance. This is when the heavier stuff and the jump training needs to actually come down as you're peaking in your mileage um, and your training, right? So again, if you're increasing all your variables at once, that's when these overuse type injuries do occur. So there are cycles and there's times of the year and you should be varying your training throughout that time of the year throughout your training cycle um so just don't forget that guys and take that out of context of what we're sharing that's a great point periodization of your program is is key um you know we're talking in very broad strokes here about how to build a general program for the general population but if there are target events target races you have in mind you know you want your intensity to be high but you want your volume to start to come down a little bit you don't want those to be at the same level at the at the end of of your season um so strength training is a piece of that and i think you know when i deal with my athletes at the university level you know uh during their season is not the time to get them necessarily stronger during their season is really the time to maintain what they got from from the build in the off season uh the problem rises when the off season is kind of very short and you don't have a whole lot of time to build it but but there is a time a better time and a, and a not so good time to to really emphasize certain aspects of it so um, maybe in the times closer to the race is when you really do work more of the, the, um, you know, eight to 10 to 12 rep range with a little bit lighter weight. Um, or maybe you do some real intense stuff, but you do it very, very low volume. You know, that's another way in which you can kind of target it or, or tackle it. So, you know, you just got to see what works for you. A lot of different ways, like I said, to skin a cat, you know, we didn't talk about what days should you be, be, uh, strength training on or running on to me. Um, you know, if your goal is to, is to get better at running, then the running should be the first thing that you do. If your goal is to get stronger in the gym, then your cardiovascular work should come second. Um, it all depends on what your focus is. You don't want to go into your main activity fatigued. 
Um, so if you're going to go out for a long run or a hard run, um, that doesn't mean you can't strength train after that. I actually really like strength training after that because you're kind of doing it in somewhat of a controlled manner. It's not like you're six miles out on a run that's, you know, 10 miles long and you have no way of getting back. You know, you can stop your strength training at any point. Um, you know, sometimes what you do is you work hard days, you know, a hard track day and a hard strength day on the same day. It's a, it's a way in which you can do it and then give your next day a really good rest recovery day as opposed to doing a hard track day one day, then doing a hard lift the next day. And then, then you really don't have adequate recovery because you know, you're going from one day to the next. So that's another way in which you can think about building your program. But again, everyone responds a little bit differently, you know, but what I would say is that, you know, make sure you're fresh for what you really want to do your, as your main, as your main goal. Um, you know, if your goal is to run fast, you don't want to run tired. You want to run fast. The best way to run fast is to practice running fast. And you can't run fast if you're fatigued and tired and broken down from your strength training. If you're doing strength training appropriately, um, getting a good run in after may not be ideal, you know? So um, just keep those type of things in mind. All great points. I couldn't agree more. Um, we are runners first, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, so get your run in first, followed by strength training. That's what I did this morning. And I like that you brought up kind of, and I've heard that, you know, many times before, like keep your hard days hard and your easy days easy. However, the caveat to that, I would say is for beginner runners. I haven't found much success in that population. I think you do need experience strength training and you need experience under your legs with your mileage um, to take that approach um, and be able to tolerate that. So if you're a beginner out there, I would probably say still keep those on your opposite days. At least that's what I found most you know, beneficial in my experience. But if you're an advanced runner and you're, you've got you know, a bunch of half marathons, marathons under your belt, and you've been strength training for a while, then yeah, maybe if you haven't tried this yet and you maybe you haven't loaded up your tissues enough, like we talked about today with your strength training, you know, maybe consider this approach that Scott's talking about is keeping those hard days, you do your track session or your tempo run, and then hit the gym after that. And trust me, you will be spent after that. <laughs> you will want to make sure you don't go out fasted. You're going to make sure you fuel up and then refuel after your run before your strength training, because you're going to need it. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And again, you know, um, don't be a hero. If there's a day that you don't feel good, you know, if your body doesn't feel right, don't push through. You know, I always tell my runners live to run another day. So, um, you know, we talked about different ways in which you can substitute certain movements. You know, the hack squat is a great exercise. The leg press is a great exercise. Those are all things that you can throw into your program. You know, a kettlebell goblet squat is a great, is a great, you know, exercise. Um, so there's a lot of different ways, you know, yes, I'm saying a back squat with a barbell is, is ideal, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, especially if you did a hard run one day and you want to go into the gym and, and get a lift in by all means, use one of these alternatives if you feel like you need it. Yeah. Great point. And any other kind of things that you, that we didn't touch upon that you want to share with our listeners? I know we covered a lot here. Um, I think a lot of it depends on, you know, your, your, how advanced of a runner you are, how many days a week are you running? So when you talked a little bit about before about your, your, your new or novice runner, how many days a week are they running? Are they running five days a week? Are they running six days a week? You know, I hope then I hope nobody's in my opinion, I don't think anybody should run seven days a week, you know, in an ideal world, I think six is probably is five to six. And, and when I start to, when I start to build my programs, I like to go, you know, like, 
three on one off three on one off. So in that three on one off three on that's, that's your seven day week right there, but you know, you're not running more than three days in a row with that type of plan, as opposed to six on one off six on one off, you know, then you have six days of back to back to back running. So I think having that rest day, um, you know, somewhere in the middle, I think allows for better recovery in my opinion, Mm -hmm. but again, that could be played with some too, depending on, on your experience and how, and how, um, and how, you know, how your body feels and what, what your body works best at. Um, but play with all those different variables and see what, what works best for you. Great point. So yeah, as we come down the final stretch here, um, you know, this is the last question that we ask all our guests. Um, if you could change one thing about the misconception of strength training for runners, what would that be? That running itself is not a strengthening activity so just because you run and sometimes you see runners with you know these very lean strong looking legs doesn't mean that they're very functionally strong legs so in order to get the tissue stronger you have to challenge it and running although it challenges it in certain ways is not challenging the muscle to hypertrophy or get stronger the way it needs to be Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so just recapping for you guys here, just to kind of bring this full circle, um, Scott really shared with you the benefits of adding in strength training into your programming. You know, what does it mean to actually strength train and add load? And it's not a matter of doing high repetitions because you're an endurance athlete and you've been told never lift heavy weights. You should do higher reps. Um, if that's what you've been told, hopefully what Scott shared with you today, you, you kind of approach this and think about this in a little different way. Um, he, he shared that we should be strength training, right? And we talked about those benefits and then, you know, how, how do we stay motivated? How do we get over some of the soreness we talked about? And then really, how do you set your week up, right? Are you doing a two-day plan? Are we doing a three-day plan? Thinking about periodization and how that fits into your training calendar, building up to your goal race, and then really shared kind of deep dive on like what specific muscles you can focus on in that day. And then how do you change those variables? of how many repetitions and, you know, certain exercise should be lower reps versus other exercise. And we talked about those benefits of adding those single leg exercises, the plyometric uh, training. So these are all part of our kind of spark blueprint and our foundational principles. So I, I love that you kind of reiterated a lot of what, you know, those that have been listening to podcasts for a while, they've, they've heard me yap about this stuff before. So it's nice to hear someone else, uh, to get a little uh, different outlook and, you know, viewpoint of this. Um, so yeah, Scott, I'm sure there's going to be like many runners running professionals who are listening to this, who really love what you had to say and want to learn more from you. Um, where's the best place that our healthy runner community can connect with you? Uh, they can hit me up uh, on Instagram at uh, scottgreenberg.dpt. They can find me at um, runsaferunfast.com. They can find me on Twitter as, as Run Safe, Run Fast. Um, those are probably the best places to find me. Excellent. And then also, um, you want to give a little plug if there are any clinicians out here. I know Scott is very involved in our running special interest group for our um, sports, our Academy of Sports Physical Therapy. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, I'd love to. So um, through the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy, um, if you are a member of that academy, uh, you get free access to what we call special interest groups. And special interest groups are a group of clinicians of like mind 
who have similar interests and want to share their knowledge and learn and learn and learn from others. You know, we never stop learning. I learn from my peers every single day. Um, so I chair our running special interest group. Um, we do journal clubs, we do webinars, we do, uh, we have uh, discussions on our mobilized platform. Um, and it's a great way to not only learn, to collaborate, to, to just network. And, um, you know, I've met a ton of great people, both new to the profession, as well as we're very, very extinguished um, and very well respected in the area of running medicine that are always willing to share their knowledge with, with others. So I really, really uh, highly recommend getting involved with that. Like I said, if you're a member of the Academy, it's free. Um, if you're not a member of the American Academy of Physical Therapy or the American Academy of Sports Physical Therapy, I, I, I highly recommend you do it if this is something that is uh, of interest to you. Um, I also do some teaching through, as Dwayne said before, through RunDNA, with Doug Adams and his company, and, and I help as a lead instructor there. Um, we talk all things running. So love to see you at, a, at one of our courses. Yeah. So if you're a clinician or even a coach um, and you're listening to this and they have a great um, running gait analysis um, course as well and a coaching course that they just released. Um, so check all that out at um, rundna.com. Uh, they have some really, really good stuff out there. And I, I, I had some amazing feedback from Doug's episode. Uh, people were reaching out to me, messaging, and they want Doug back on the show. So Doug, if you're listening to this, you're going to have to come back on the show. The people want you. Um, so yeah. So if you guys are coaches or clinicians out there, um, check out Scott's work, check out Doug's work. They do some really good stuff. And I'm really um, appreciative for having you, you know, take your time, honestly, Scott, and come on the show today. Um, and I look forward to continuing to see and collaborate, you know, with you in the future. Um, two Long Island boys getting out of Strong Island, uh, doing some stuff in the running space. <laughs> hey, doing this stuff is a, is a pleasure. I love, I love just talking and sharing what little knowledge I have compared to all the wonderful clinicians that are out there. If I can, if I can aid in anybody's learning just a little bit, I think I've done my part. And, and again, like I said, there are so many really, really amazing clinicians and researchers out there in this space that, that again, I'm just fortunate to spend some time with. So you being one of them, and I appreciate you having me on. Oh, well, thank you. And yeah, I feel the exact same way. And that's why I always love having, you know, other PTs come on the show, other coaches come on the show. Um, hopefully those that are listening, you guys see, you know, we all kind of collaborate together um, to really help our running community out and just share some good information. There's a lot of misconceptions out there. There's a lot of things that we've been told uh, by our, our parents and their parents. And uh, one of them being that whole hamstring stretching that's going to prevent injuries. Uh, you know, so we just want to share like the best evidence that's out there today. And, you know, some of the things like Scott's doing at a high level collegiate level, like he's doing this with his athletes and Hey, us as middle-aged adults, like we're doing a sport like we're training consistently. This is our sport, right? So we should train like athletes, right? Let's train like the college athletes do and take care of our bodies in that way. Um, so those that have been listening uh, to this full episode, I thank you guys as always for taking time out of your day. Listen, whether you're listening on the podcast, the Healthy Runner uh, Facebook community, or if you're catching the replay on our Spark Your Training YouTube channel, let me know, like type in replay into the comment box. Let me know you caught it. I appreciate you guys. Remember every week, 
We do these episodes going live within our Facebook group. Um, we'd love for you to join us, interact, ask some questions, um, check out our events tab in our Healthy Runner Facebook group uh, to check out the future episodes and topics that we're going to be having on. Uh, Scott, this has been fun. Thanks again, man. I appreciate your time. Oh, anytime you ask, I'll be here. Awesome. Well, runners, let's remember, let's stay active, let's stay healthy, and let's just keep on running. Until next time. Hey, healthy runners, have you been listening to this podcast for a while and have been implementing the strategies we talk about on a weekly basis? If so, kudos to you for taking action because we all know those that are successful are those that take action. However, I do talk to many of you runners and you guys are trying to implement the strategies. Maybe you've seen some exercises on my Spark Your Training YouTube channel, but you're just not sure if that is exactly what you should be doing depending upon your situation. So if you're looking for clarity and focus in order to be able to collapse time so you don't have to figure it out all by yourself, that is exactly what we take care of with our team of experts in our one-on-one personalized run coaching program to get you stronger and faster so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. What do you get when you sign up for the Healthy Runner Coaching Program? You get 16 weeks of one-to-one run and strength training, coaching, and accountability. You get strategic one-on-one deep dive coaching on a monthly basis. You get focused feedback on your training on a weekly basis. You get the strength program for running resource library and you get lifetime access to that. You also get an online personalized structured run and strength plan. You get a community of like-minded runners and then access to our trusted healthy runner coaching team made up of certified run coaches, a physical therapist, a registered dietitian, and personal trainers and fitness instructors. If you are interested in seeing if you are a good fit to work with myself or anyone on our team, then just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Check out the behind the scenes video tour of the program and hear from runners just like you who have been through our program before. We would love to provide you the clarity on what you should be focusing on in your training, whether it is getting stronger with strength training, the specific types of runs you should be doing, or the nutrition you should be fueling your body with for those runs. If you're ready to get the support and accountability you need to take action and put the work in, then I would love to hop on a call with you to see if you're a good fit for a one-on-one healthy runner coaching program. Just head to sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching and get signed up for your enrollment strategy call with me today. Thanks so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's four ways I can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of my Spark Blueprint at programs.sparkyourtraining.com. Two, follow my Instagram page at sparkyourtraining. Three, join my free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash sparkyourtraining. Five, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential runners and bring those lessons back to you here. Don't forget, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or the follow button on Spotify so you don't miss the next episode of Healthy Runner to help you get stronger, faster, so you can enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Lastly, if you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner and want one-on-one structure, accountability, and support, from our Healthy Runner coaching team, check out the behind the scenes video tour of our coaching program 
and the stories from many of our athletes who are struggling with the same sticking points that you are right now. Just head to programs.sparkyourtraining.com forward slash coaching. Thank you again, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening. Now go and crush your run today.